Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season 8 of Game of Thrones premiered on Sunday, and you can deep dive with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-cappable series on the Recapables feed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, we'll be releasing tons of videos over the course of the series. So make sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer. And for even more Game of Thrones coverage, head over to TheRinger.com. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening you're to this. You're to, listening to. You are listening to. You're listening to. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the Masked Man the Show. The Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. It's the Superstar Shake-Up Week on Raw and SmackDown this week. I'm joined on the Masked Line by none other than Zach, Zach, WWE Maniac Lender. How you doing, man? Yeah, that, that's my name. Zach, and then Zach in quotes again, and then <laughs> Linder. Now, we're here today, David, to talk about, uh, we're, we're doing a recap of Roman Reigns appearing in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, right? That's what we're talking about for an hour? <laughs> Dude, Roman Reigns was in a lot of that trailer, right? It was a pretty impressive performance. That's an amazing trailer, and he gets to play a Samoan, and I guess one of The Rock's brothers, who I, I think The Rock is not even playing Hobbs. I think he's just playing The Rock in this movie. But let's, yeah. I, I can talk about that for 60 minutes. Let's go. I, pro- I probably could, too. The, the Rock is, is amazing. And the, more, the longer The Rock's movie career continues, the more in love with him and, and, and just movies in general I am. But there is a thing where, like, The Rock... Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson is a sort of... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say black hole because that sounds negative, but he is like this intergalactic body that just has so much gravity that everything eventually coalesces around Dwayne Johnson. He could go play, you know, King Lear, and by the end of the movie, he would be Samoan. You know, I mean, it's it's just an incredible, an incredible power that that man has um, to make every role his own. Anyway, we're all going to be excited about Hobbs and Shaw um, as it <laughs> as it comes closer. I have a uh, I have a twelve part um, uh, uh, series on the rewatchables um, solely about Hobbs and Shaw. That's not true, but maybe fingers crossed. But what happened this week besides just a trailer dropping? And Roman Reigns, spoiler alert, is very involved. We had the Superstar Shake-Up, um, which sort of started last week, or they started teasing it last week immediately after WrestleMania. There were a lot of crossover appearances on Raw and SmackDown. But you know what, David? It's actually been going on for a couple months because there have been all these all this talent that usually gets called up the night after WrestleMania. They were called up months ago, and yeah. they have never defined them to a specific brand. So you've had sort of this like weird, ambiguous period where talent is not assigned to either Raw or SmackDown. And I guess they, they were just like, eh, we'll deal with it later. And, the, and they chose the Superstar Shakeup to deal with it. And now everyone has these, these homes. Um, but you have kind of like this weird period of the last few months that have been really fuzzy. And now things are a little bit more into focus. Um, but it, I felt like the shakeup did not really have the impact um, or the night after WrestleMania, the, uh, the quote-unquote hashtag Raw After Mania did not have the impact that it usually does because you've had this like weird period over the last few months where they're just like bringing up talent from NXT and the Indies kind of will, willy-nilly with no real plan for it. And I think the best example of that is Ricochet and Aleister Black who are even on the WrestleMania card, and they seem to be a tag team just because they are two guys from NXT with tattoos. Like, those yes. two guys are are totally different from each other. <laughs> Yeah, they are. I mean, it, they do work pretty well together. To be to be fair, and they, you know, they have a little bit of that. I mean, they're, you know, NXT has. To me, it's not that dissimilar from like Samoa Joe and and Finn Balor teaming up. You know, in the in the Dusty Tournament. I mean, there's you know there there's a little bit of old school wrestling, like two right. big guys 
teaming up. But but I agree. Uh, I I was shocked with how well they sort of coalesced, you know, on the main roster as a team. And I think I said this on a previous show, but I actually really like I like the the premise of bringing up NXT dudes uh, as it as tag teams because we can we just we can skip over like the the almost inherently cringy debut segments and stuff. You know, like I don't need to watch 30 video packages about Aleister Black's like occult upbringing. You know, I don't I don't need to I don't need that show, you know, Ricochet working with inner city kids to prove that he's like a good guy. You know, like I like I'm happy that that I don't know, that just sounds be- pretty good to me. All right. <laughs> well well WWE give me a call. <laughs> but 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 the but the premise, I mean, I guess to me it's like I always say that the 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 way the reason that so many of these gimmicks flop, NXT in particular, or not even NXT in particular, all, all one of the the main reasons to me the gimmicks flop is because they they focus too much on the gimmick half, the gimmick aspect, and forget the half that like it's this is a person who has chosen to be a professional fighter for his career or her career. Right. And if we're all focusing on, you know, the fact that he is a, a pig farmer or that he developed a, a a fancy perfume, then there's then like you, you know, it it elides the fact that this is, you know, in a world where UFC is a big deal, this is a person who chose to be a fighter, right? So we get so when you bring him up as a tag team and you just throw him into matches, then we get to focus on that part, and then the rest of their character can come out later. But that's a real sidebar. I agree with you. We did lose a lot of the kind of excitement of the of the raw after wrestlemania and then the shakeup but they kind of balanced that out there was one team that we will get to very shortly that was called up directly from nxt without any run on the main roster beforehand they did finally place all of those previous nxt call-ups and we got the little added benefit of some 205 live uh personalities finding ho- new homes on the main roster after I mean, I guess if you're gonna, if you want to continue your complaint, Ali, formerly Mustafa Ali, kind of blazed this trail without the benefit of the shakeup a couple months back. So anyway, let's start running through some of these names, and I want to get sure. your take on on what they can mean for their on, in their new homes on the main roster. Let's start with 205 Live because because I you know I, I mentioned that just recently. We have Apollo. I mean, sorry, not Apollo Cruz, although I do want to talk about him. We have Buddy Murphy probably the biggest name going from 205 Live to SmackDown, where I I just said Ali is already there. Let's be honest. uh, Buddy Murphy is bigger than half of the main event scene on on SmackDown. So I'm not sure that him being on 205 Live is going to be a real detriment. He's a real, real talented dude. Cedric Alexander is going over to Raw. Um, he's a little bit smaller, but just like Buddy Murphy, they they when when he debuted on the cruiserweight division, they they put, they made a big deal of his weight cut to get down to that size. You know, I mean, but both of those guys are guys who, you know, are probably walking around um, at a, at you know something approaching a a well, I don't know if it's, if cruiserweight and heavyweight are our only two categories. They're they're walking around it as heavyweights, you know, day to day, and they're both really talented, and they you know I, I, they they both can hang. I said Apollo Cruz earlier because I'm, I'm I kind of threw him in there. I don't have I, I he's a he's bigger. I mean he's he's got some mass, but I don't know that he's significantly bigger than than Buddy Murphy, uh, if at all. And he made the jump over to SmackDown this week um, from Raw. There's uh, you know w- what's your what's your take on M- Murphy and Alexander and and even potentially uh, Apollo Cruz? Yeah, I I can't tell. I have two thoughts on this. I think the first is I can't tell if. Uh, by moving guys from 205 Live to SmackDown or Raw, do they mean it as a promotion? Uh, meaning, all right, you've, you've earned it. You're, you're going up to the big show. Or uh-huh. is it just that SmackDown or Raw uh, need that type of talent right now? And, and they're looking to fill out the roster on that show. Um, and, and they're going to play a specific role on that show. Um, and same thing for 205 Live. Are they trying to like clear space on 205 Live for, for other talent, other new talents that they want to showcase on that show? So I'm not sure what the answer is there. Uh, it might be uh, a little bit from column A, a little bit column B. Um, and I, the, the second thing is, and when it comes to Buddy Murphy, um, 
and there are, there are other moves in the superstar shakeup that um, uh, that surround this topic as well. You can start to see what uh, romantic relationships WWE <laughs> approves of behind the scenes and, and which ones they don't. Uh, because um, if you are a uh, an avid reader of uh, of, of Reddit and and uh, the newsletters and wrestling websites, you know that Buddy Murphy is in a relationship with Alexa Bliss. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're married or not, or if they're engaged, but I know that they're in a relationship. They're engaged, and 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 you know, they're, I don't want to get too much in conspiracy theorizing around that. But the impression that I get is that WWE has decided to be very respectful of marriages and utterly dismissive of anything below that. Bene- you know, beneath that. So if you're engaged, if you're if you're in a serious, you know, a steady relationship, but not engaged, you're not married. They'll probably keep you apart just because they think it's funny. Yeah, 100%, because uh, on Raw, you know, the Usos move over to Raw, and then very shortly thereafter, Naomi debuts on Raw, right? So they they clearly approve of that relationship, but not so much Buddy Murphy and Alexa Bliss, and not so much Charlotte Flair and uh, Andrade. Which is a which is a real odd couple match, at least in my view. Um, right, those so, those two have been kept apart too. But also, Alistair Black and uh, and Zelina Vega, who were recently married, they're, they're they both ended up on Raw together. I mean, not together, but oh wow, they're, they're both. On I didn't Raw. even know about that one. That's a phenomenal yeah. couple, though. I lo- I love that. <laughs> but best wishes to them. Mazel tov on their marriage. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. But to go back to to veer back away from the the relationship aspect. I don't know what it means for uh, for 205 Live and, and those two rosters. Um, I do think that Buddy Murphy is wildly talented, um, and, and he has a ton of charisma. Cedric Alexander does fall a little flat for me sometimes, even though I know how skilled he is in the ring. I'm mm-hmm. interested to see how he does on the main roster. I think that he, he does kind of lack a little, uh, little bit of an it factor, but he's so damn talented athletically. Um, I, I think he has a, a shot to succeed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. And if that, you know, provides openings on 205 live for them to go out and sign a couple more, you know, flippy indie guys. Yeah. I think that, I I think that you're, you're hitting on something that's, that's really important. I think that, that if 205 live is going to be a, if, if it's going to continue and if it's going to be continue to be, uh, you know, a vital part of WWE in so much as it already is, whatever, they have to keep hiring dudes. And if they're going to keep hiring right. dudes, they have to, they, they, you would, you would want there to be some hope of, you know, a future. And if it's just going to be on 205 Live, I don't know how, I don't know, you know, when you're competing with the all elites of the world, I don't know how many of these guys you're going to get. Like, are you going to, there's no way you're going to sign you know, all the, there, there were rumors they were throwing lots of money at guys like Bandito, you know, and, and, and all, all these other cruiserweights. No one's going to go to 205 Live, you know, if you have a name from the indies and just work on 205 Live without the potential of eventually being oh, on I the disagree. main roster. I disagree. But I think you are hitting on an important point with, with All Elite Wrestling is that they... You know, this would be the time of year when they're calling guys up and and they're shifting rosters around that they would also, in order to make room, they do a big roster cut, right, and release a whole bunch of guys. That's been a pattern in the past. A couple weeks after WrestleMania, uh, you see a whole bunch of releases popping up on the website. That's not happening now because they are so on edge about their talent. Uh, going to a competing company. I don't think they're really worried about All Elite um, stealing any of their market share. Uh, I think if anybody were uh, were thinking that was a possibility, that you're just foolish at this point. WWE is not going to be threatened by any other wrestling company. They're just too much of a juggernaut at this point. But I think they are concerned about losing talent to other companies yeah. and other companies taking advantage of talent that they've built and they've built as stars. They've made them as stars um, uh, and 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 another company kind of reaping the benefits of that. So um, I do think you're hitting on an important point with All Elite, but um, I disagree that uh, if you're an indie talent and you are looking to make uh, a living in professional wrestling, if WWE comes a calling even with a 205 Live deal, I think that's something that you jump at um, if, you're, if you don't have uh, a competing offer of, of some relevance. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Cedric, by the way, Cedric Alexander's wife is also a wrestler. Speaking of relationships in the oh, really? in the WWE, she she was in the Mae Young Classic, and they have a beautiful kid. Um, I mean, she's not. I don't think a W. She might be way down in developmental, but I'm pretty sure I've seen her on working indie shows. So I'm thinking not. 
But man, they are a an attractive couple, an attractive family, and and they could do some make make some business with that at some point. I love Cedric. I love Buddy Murphy. I'm excited to see what they do. But let's let's move on. You you mentioned you know people potentially leaving, and we were going to save this for the end. But we get it has it bears mention that that Luke Harper asked for his release this week. Sasha Banks is in this weird netherworld of maybe you know teasing that she wants out. Who knows? They've gave her some time off to sort of hopefully come around. Um, you know, there there's probably an era where we would have seen, I mean, an era, if this were last year, they might have been a little bit more cavalier about letting people like that go if they wanted out. And certainly we probably would have seen more cuts than we saw this week um, or more specific cuts. There was a whole thing with Sanity getting disbanded and, and who knows what's happening with those with those folks. But anyway, we talked about the cruiserweights. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep breaking these up slightly by by chunks. The next people I want to talk about are the NXT crew. And this is going to include the people that we were just discussing earlier that have been called up, you know, called up for a while, uh, if if unmoored to a specific show. So okay. on the SmackDown side, we got Otis and Tucker of Heavy Machinery. We got Lars Sullivan, um, the intelligent monster, although I'm not quite sure he's intelligent anymore. We got Kyrie Sane, who came straight up from, from NXT to uh, to be Asuka's new tag team partner in the women's tag division. Um and I believe that's it on the SmackDown side. On the Raw side, we got uh, Eric Young. I'm not sure if we're even counting Sanity at this point. I don't even remember when they came up, but I'll just say it there. Eric Young got split off from Sanity and is now a member of Raw. EC3 is on Raw. Um, let's see, Andrade and Zelina Vega are on Raw. Aleister Black and Ricochet are on Raw. And most importantly, two fellas who you may not know, uh, at least not by these names, Eric and Ivar, Ivar, uh, the Viking experience, are now members of the Raw roster. Now, uh, you might know them as Hanson and Rowe, the War Raiders. You might have known them before as War Machine on the indie scene. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, the, I, can't ima- I can't remember the last time the wrestling internet blew up to the degree that it did on Monday night when two of the most popular dudes on the NXT roster got called up in a huge surprise because they are the reigning NXT tag team champions. They didn't go out in the way that, you know, NXT has a very old territory, old school territorial uh, layout to, to the booking for the most part that you kind of drop the belts in a, in a noble fashion before you get called up or as you're getting called up. So it was a big surprise they got called up. An even bigger surprise is that they were repackaged um, as uh, as leftover gimmicks from 1989. Um, you, Zach, the reason why I wanted you on the show this week is because you came in so hot on a group text. Uh, at, you were the only person I know who said, I really like this idea, <laughs> the Viking experience. Um, why don't we start off with you defending this uh, pseudo repackaging? <laughs> I don't have a really good defense. Uh, I just think it, it freaking rules. Um, it, cause it's so, it's so ridiculous. That's what wrestling has to be sometimes, man. Like everybody who is a, a smart mark on the internet and thinks that they know exactly how everything needs to be booked, takes things too damn seriously all the time. Take a step back and objectively acknowledge that the Viking experience is one of the fucking wildest <laughs> and insane things that they could have done in this scenario. They are, and I think they are trolling indie fans with this. Yes. Yes. Don't think that that is unnoticed. I think maybe it started as a legitimate suggestion by who knows vince or someone hey what if we call them the viking experience right and then it became kind of it sort of morphed in a in some backroom discussion like yeah the smart marks they'll fucking love this right so i think it is awesome i think i i love that it pisses people off i think that's part of what i like about it and i just i i tend to like things that a lot of uh, so-called smart marks don't like. Like I I have also been uh, for years before it kind of became a little bit, you know, cooler to like him more recently. I've been a huge John Cena fan for years. 
in the That's years true. when Cena sucks was at its height and its peak. Um, John Cena freaking rules, and people have to acknowledge that. I would even argue that his match against CM Punk in Chicago that everyone talks about as this CM Punk classic, John Cena carried a lot of that match, man. John Cena yeah. rules. And he does, he's never really gotten the credit that he deserves. Um, and when we did a story on WWE.com about the most underrated talents in the company, I kind of half-jokingly, but also half-seriously, put John Cena on that list. I think he's a super underrated worker. That guy has awesome matches. Um, another, another kind of example of this is Sheamus. People, ha- people on the internet and, and wrestling fans on Reddit have not been able to stand Sheamus for years because he is viewed as this um, WWE cartoon creation. But hold on a second. Take a step back and evaluate what Sheamus actually is, who is this big, beefy dude who's, like, who's bright white and has this shock of red hair on his face mm-hmm. and on the top of his head before he did the mohawk thing when he had that kind of more spiky kind of hairdo. Yeah. He looked awesome. And he was this big, beefy dude from Ireland who he, he, he was not a WWE creation. He wrestled in dingy little dungeons on the indies of, uh, you know, the, the eastern coast of Ireland. Seamus fucking rules. John Cena rules. The Viking experience rules. And I love that they're <laughs> trolling people with this. I love that they're just calling I, them something insane, like the Viking experience. I, I'm, I'm rambling, but... Um, no, 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 no. I think it's I awesome. love that you're drawing... I love that you're, you're trolling me by drawing a straight line between John Cena to Seamus to the Viking experience, but I appreciate what you're saying. And, and listen, for everyone listening to this, Zach was indeed the OG John Cena... Uh, defender to the point where he would show up at backyard barbecues that I would throw with 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 uh, packs packs of, of bodega pistachios just so we could try to get the D's nuts joke over on people there. But um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, listen, the Viking Experience is a silly name. I get what you're saying. There were there are stories out there that that I think I can verify that they were that they were talking about calling the the Berserkers up until Showtime or right before Showtime and somehow made a quick sidestep to the Viking Experience. I guess the feeling is that Vince thought that they, the Viking part of them was what was cool, and he really wanted to, to you know, make sure pe- nobody missed the fact that they were, you know, with the face paint and the and the the loincloths, knowing that that they were playing Viking characters. But whatever, these guys are on the main roster now; they're badasses. It's going to be fun to watch them go. Um, we will continue to make fun of their name into perpetuity, and. Um, you know, at- and one more point on it too. If they really are as amazing of these workers as uh, as fans say, the name isn't going to matter, and they're going to get over on their own talents, and and the name is and and they'll they'll supersede their name, right? Um, you know, I, names don't matter. They they very often they don't. I I mean. You know, calling Kenny Hideo a Tommy, I think definitely hurt him. But you know, these their real names, I think, are Ray and Todd. Just call them Ray and Todd, and is, yeah. is that any better than the Viking Experience? Those are kind of lame names too. That just sounds like a couple of dorks, you know, on on my team at work. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think if they're Eric and Ivar and not the Viking Experience, I think that's fine. I just, it's just, I think that this is a sort of this is a. Um, in some ways, if you want to, if you want to look on the bright side, I think this is an acknowledgement uh, to all of us who love NXT that NXT is the big leagues now, and that you can't, you're not just like sneaking people in under the radar anymore, right? So, if so, they not only do you have to get a gimmick right in NXT so that it'll transition to the main roster, but you know, you got to get the, you got to get your names right and everything too, because there's going to be someone editing, uh, kind of top editing that as it moves to the main roster. Let's talk about these other guys. Uh, Ricochet and Austin okay. Black, we've discussed on this podcast at length. Oh, man. Okay. So you want to talk about bad names. Ricochet is the worst name of them all. <laughs> you can't call a guy a verb. That is insane. I, I said this to Greg Hyde, that guy Greg, when we, were, when we were sitting at WrestleMania. He's clearly a great talent, but Ricochet is a dumb, dumb name. And I don't care what any PWG fans want to tweet at me. That's like calling a guy bounce. Like it's it is the dumbest thing. Call the give the guy a real name for Christ's sakes. Well, can we, wait, wait, wait. the Viking experience. Is bounce available? Can we can we go with that? 
else would actually um, be better because at least it's a little funny. But it is so dumb to call a guy a verb. The man is a person, place, or thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he is a, the, the ricochet is a the man is a noun and ricochet is a verb. Makes no goddamn sense. The running joke online on very you know on various Reddit and, and all the other uh, wrestling places is that if he you know ever got uh, you know future endeavored and had to change his name, it would just be the first name Rick, last name the Irish O'Shea, uh, which oh, I, sure. maybe, yeah, that yeah, would, yeah. maybe that would make you happier. Regardless of what we're, what, of, of any problems with his name, you have to admit that like that guy came on the main roster like he had been there his entire life and that he's just he's just a superstar. I mean, like kids were jumping out of their seats the moment they looked at him. And then when he started flipping over the top rope, I mean, he, th- like he's he's just made for he's just made for WWE. Yeah, he's incredible, and he he has an awesome look to him, and uh, he has great matches. I mean, he, look, he came on the ro- main roster as a House of Fire. You're totally, totally right. Um, I remember we, I think it was you who came with me to go see an Evolve or Dragon Gate USA show at the uh, at the Brooklyn Lyceum out in Gowanus, and he wrestled oh, yeah. this incredible match in this like dingy little space, and you could tell then that. Um, uh, that that he was he was something special. I think that was actually the same show that it was. Uh, you know, friend of the show, Chris Heroes, uh, one of his first matches back. Yes. Uh, after he left the company, um, and he, I remember he kicked out of a pedigree by Johnny Gargano at the count of one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that show. Uh, that's a tangent, but no, yeah, Rick Ricochet is is an amazing guy, and uh, what I said about. The, the Viking experience guys overcoming their names is certainly true of Ricochet as well. He can overcome a dumb name too. Yeah, I think he's really great. And by the way, that that Brooklyn Lyceum show that seems like a, I mean that that was a different it was a lifetime ago. But there yeah. was such a there was such a nice like sort of innocence and freedom to that era where you could just go watch a show that was like better than anything you would see on WWE, but also feel like none of these guys were ever going to be on WWE. So you kind of had them all to yourself, you know, and <laughs> there you could have this sort of like claim to them as performers. Um, who would have thought at that point that like half the people who wrestled that night would be like featured on NXT or, or Monday Night Raw uh, a few years yeah, later? It's really, it's really wild. I, I remember Johnny Gargano was hanging out with us before the show at Union Hall which was around the corner in Park Slope. And, and now he's you know one of the hottest things in NXT. He's the NXT champion, for Christ's sakes. And back then he was the, the top heel at this, at this indie show in, in you know, the middle of the grossest part of Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know if it's the grossest part of Brooklyn. I think there are some other neighborhoods okay, uh, what, that would, what, that would take grossest? issue with it. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to put the hatchet down right now? I mean, it, what, what's the grossest part of Brooklyn? Are we going East New York? Are we going, uh, are we going Industry City? That's kind of a weird part of town. Anyway, industry city, an industry city is fantastic. I yeah, no, I I think uh, I think it, like any any hangout within like a quarter mile of JFK is probably like any hotel bar <laughs> within a quarter mile of JFK Airport is the answer to your question. Um, what's your take on Alistair Black? Have we talked about him? He is awesome. I'm I'm higher on okay. him than I am Ricochet, and they call him the Dutch Destroyer. Uh, but if you ever gotten a look at me on the streets of Amsterdam eating a herring sandwich, I think you'd call me that that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, he's <laughs> awesome. Um, he, uh, I think, he has huge superstar potential. You know, people have talked for years about Bray Wyatt being the next Undertaker. Uh, I think Alistair Black is closer to being the next Undertaker than Bray oh, Wyatt yeah. is, uh, because I think you need someone who can kind of transcend the gimmick, right? And I think that uh, Bray Wyatt is a little too close. And you know, we'll talk about maybe we'll talk about Bray Wyatt too, because he's coming back with a weird new gimmick as well. Um, but I think if, if you're going to be the next Undertaker, uh, you can't be kind of just always that early 90s Undertaker that Bray Wyatt kind of is. Um, and you have to transcend the gimmick and kind of uh, be more of a, a more well-rounded kind of uh, uh, personality, I guess. And Aleister Black seems to have that intangible. Uh, and he seems like a guy that can be either babyface or heel at the drop of a dime. Um, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I just don't. I I think he's just he's incredible. I mean, I was I was touting him uh, back when he was working the Indies as Tommy End. I think he's, I think he's just amazing. And just, and he's and he, and he and Ricochet both. I mean, when as soon as Alistair Black, you know, came up from the stage the first time on the main roster, you just knew it. I mean, he he has it. He's 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 gonna be great. He's gonna be fine, and he has the potential to be great. So great look for both those guys ending up on Raw. Um, I think that's a wonderful platform for them, and and you know, I'll, I'm excited to see where they go. 
A couple more names from the NXT side. EC3 finally found a home um, after being kind of serially embarrassed over the past uh, couple of months. He's now a member of the Raw roster as well. Um, what, what, what's your What's your opinion on the former WWE, WWE developmental turned TNA standout turned NXT uh, short term semi standout now now Raw cannon fodder? What do you, What do you think about the guy? Man, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're doing with EC3. It makes no goddamn sense. Um, it, it seems like they're, they want to use him as a proxy for TNA or Impact in general because he was such a big star there. And his name still, EC3, kind of indirectly references Dixie Carter. So it's this very weird thing, kind of like how they finally... Uh, uh, used Eric Bischoff as a proxy for WCW and Vince put him in a garbage truck on raw. That's almost yes. like what it seems. It seems like what they're doing with EC three. Um, I don't know why you'd bring him up to raw. You'd call him up from NXT. You'd, you'd have him do a whole bunch of nothing for several weeks. And then when he finally gets established on raw, that first show you have him destroyed by Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman doesn't need the rub from that. Um, he's destroyed enough enough guys and enough things at this point, rather than just make a statement on EC3. Um, why not leave him in NXT for now and be a big bad heel in NXT? That seems like the best use of EC3 instead of being a big muscly dude on the main roster who's getting destroyed by their main eventers. It, it makes no sense. I have no idea what they're doing with EC3. I think he does have value and it's not in the role that they're using him in. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree. I mean, there is some, there, I read a great fan theory that they actually would do some like uh, TNA proxy war now that him and Bobby Roode and they you know, and Eric young are kind of all in the same show. Um, that would seem to be really sort of misbegotten in a lot of ways, although I wouldn't mind seeing those people together. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, EC three, he's one of those people and you know who else is like this? Is it's, it's still toiling in semi anonymity on two hundred five live? Is Mike Bennett uh, or Mike Canellis, I guess, as he's known in WWE, who just like right, who came in with this like assumption that he would be a perfect Vince McMahon guy, and then like Vince McMahon failed to notice he ever existed. Um, EC three might fall into that same you know have that same rap. Who knows? Who knows? It'll be, it'll be weird to see what happens. One more name I wanted to mention, just because he's going to get a push, and we're going to be talking about him, is Lars Sullivan. Um, we, right. uh, I actually had a piece about him on the ringer, uh, last week by Oliver Lee Bateman kind of sh uh, stating that he's like the logical, uh, he's the logical descendant of the French angel and this sort of whole crew of bald freaks from, you know, the early days of pro wrestling. Um, you know, he's definitely doing this sort of freak show gimmick and, and more importantly, he's doing this, you know, he's, he's going to be, he has this monster gimmick and he's going to. You know, he's he's we if we know anything about WWE, he's going to get a title shot within the next several months. You know, he's going to be um, he, he's he's going to follow some path, whether it's, you know, Umaga's or Braun Strowman's. He's he's going to be a, a, a player. Um, what's your what's your opinion of him having seen him go a couple of times? I mean, in our text group, I've been referring to him as Snitsky Jace. Yeah, and I think I think that's really the best descriptor for him. I have yet to see anything from him uh, that he will be anything more than uh, you know big time heel title challenger, and anything more than that, like an Umago or a Snitsky or you know one of these monster guys. You know, I'm reminded of guys in in like the Hogan era of like a Killer Khan who would have this awesome monster heel run on like the house shows for several months, and then they disappear. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, he's he's another one of those guys. Um, the the only thing that the only small thing that kind of uh, separated him for me was I think he was on SmackDown after he completed kind of his uh, uh, segment of destruction. He was walking backwards up the ramp, and the camera uh, captured uh, the camera's microphone captured him saying, "That was beautiful." <laughs> so <laughs> if he if he if he says those kind of like comic book panel style quips that that could be kind of um a more organic way they could take his character i kind of like that um i would bet that that was beautiful was not planned um <laughs> so i think if they were to if they were to use stuff like that i think maybe they can you know give him a little bit of distinction 
other than that, I don't see how he can be anything more than a monster who destroys a whole bunch of guys, and it's carbon copy. Yeah, well, we'll I I, uh, I hope they figure out something for him because I love his look, and I and it would just be, I mean, of all of these monsters, for some reason he speaks to me um, in a way that I feel like they could find a way to get him over and use him so, for a so length of time. To me, so explain to me, in your view, what makes him different than a Snitskia Jace? Well, for one thing, he's not he's not talentless, right? I mean, if you see, saw him working in NXT, he's not a he's not a Keith Lee, you know, like kind of high flying, wow. like do anything big man. But like he's but he's got he's, he's got some gifts. Snitsky. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got he's he's got some gifts. He's better in the ring than Snitsky, and he's and he's and he's first of all, he's not a, he's not really a giant. I mean, he's like six two or something like that. But he's just built like a like a you know like a concrete house. Uh, he's got those like gigantic. Um, you know, Andre style hands and he's a little bit disproportionate and, and everybody says that his strength is like a million percent functional that he could, you know, he's one of the strongest guys they've ever seen. Um, so it'd be fun to see what, what you can do with them. Um, and, and honestly, I just like him because he's a throwback without, without working this like, you know, vaudevillains gimmick where, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely like a wrestler from another era. And I can imagine, you know, I can imagine him, you know, I think he'll be a successful, like, monster in his first go round, but I think that there's an, a, a limitless number of things you could do with him. He's an old school bat, big bad, you know? I mean, he can, he could stand behind a Weasley manager and just look tough. He can go out there and, and work in the main event. I think there's a lot of stuff you could do with him. And, and I, and honestly, I don't, you know, no one knows him well enough to know what kind of personality he has or, or, you know, and, and, and the limited things we know about his online presence aren't terribly, aren't terribly promising, but I don't know. I just like I just like the throwback aspect of him, and I hope that he sticks a little bit. I hope they I hope they figure it out. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I like that about Rusev when Rusev first came up too, because he had this body type that was like you know like an Ivan Putski or something, you know. Um, so I appreciate that. That would actually be a hell of a match, Lars Sullivan versus Rusev. I'd like to see that on a pay per view. Yeah, I think that there's a similarity between the two because they both were like monsters in NXT, and then they get to the main roster and. You look at and Rusev is you realize that he's six inches shorter than all the headliners, you know. But it, but he still found a way to make it work. Um, and I and you know I, I have endless love for Rusev. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about Andrade in a minute. Uh, I do I do want to the the other big NXT call up on the on the SmackDown side was Kari Sane, who's now as I said uh, tagging um, with Oscar in the women's tag division. I mean, Kari Sane's just amazing. I mean, she's she is so much fun to watch, and they gave her the big elbow drop spot to end the match on Tuesday night. Um, I think she's going to have uh, a lot of upside, but I want to talk about her in the context of the women's division in general. Um, SmackDown just got loaded. I mean, they got uh, Bailey moved over. Um, the Boston Hug connection is apparently no more. Ember Moon is over there. Liv Morgan got moved seemingly a little bit arbitrarily. Mickey James got moved over. Um, according to the new brand graphics, um, uh, Becky Lynch is a member of the SmackDown roster. Now that might have just been to make the SmackDown side look, you know, more formidable. But they're counting her amongst those numbers as long as she's holding the belt, obviously. Um, and then you know, it's there, there's a, a bunch of there's a lot of mainstays that are still there. Um, Raw got Naomi and and you know uh, we talked about I mean Lacey Evans, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll mention in the NXT call up. Uh, but but not assigned until this week uh, sec uh, segment of performers. Um, but that SmackDown women's division is just absolutely loaded. Uh, do you think this is just a because we're going to be seeing the tag belts live there now, and we just and they need more performers to to make that division vital, or do you think it says something about you know the the coming Fox era of SmackDown? Is there anything bigger we can take from from the the changes in the on, on the women's side? I would not be shocked if Fox came to WWE and said, hey, great things you're doing with the women's division. We want a little piece of that action as well. So when that show moves over to our network, make sure you've got a nice big women's division to showcase that talent on our network. I would not be shocked if there was a conversation like that. Uh, I, but I think um, one of the key reasons they brought up Kyrie Sane, um, in addition to her being a great talent, is they really want to build out their tag team roster now that they've got these new titles, right? And mm -hmm. they clearly felt that putting her with another Japanese talent in Asuka was the most natural fit there. I, I, I don't love it. Um, I, uh, I, I think it says more about how much they've ruined Asuka than it does about Kairi Sane. Um, I, I, I think it's a real shame that 
Uh, they've never really been able to recover from Asuka getting, uh, getting, getting defeated by Charlotte at last year's WrestleMania. I think that that was clearly a, a big mistake uh, in the long run, in retrospect. Um, and now they've, they've just paired her with another Japanese talent. Now, here's where I get really hypocritical, because it is the exact opposite of how I feel about the Viking experience. I think it is so dumb that she's the pirate princess. What the hell is that? That is the most <laughs> indie-tastic gimmick that I've ever seen. And she's, no. she's on the main roster now with that stupid thing. I think she's fantastic thing. in the ring. No, I will defend this. I this is this is uh, this again in the the inverse of the Viking experience. I defend this because her name is not like Captain Sane. You know, her name she's not actually playing a pirate. She's just a person who has chosen professional wrestling as her line of work, and she happens to like to dress like a pirate. That's it. She just has I think a little. That's so dumb. No, I, I come on. Why, why can't you just be Kyrie Sane and be an awesome Japanese wrestler? Why can't that be your gimmick? You know, why do you have to be the pipe? She's already a a foreign talent, which is a a huge coup for WWE to begin with to, to expand their global presence. Why do you have to make her a goddamn pirate princess too? Zach, your your descent is duly noted, and I will, I'm going to play this segment for you next year at WrestleMania when you're coming to the event with a ship with a with a, a, a ship steering wheel in your hand, spinning it around because you're such a big Kyrie saying the pirate princess mark um uh but yeah i think that i think that it's i, I i'm glad that she's there uh the tag team's a little bit arbitrary <laughs> tag team's a little bit arbitrary but whatever she's on the main roster now hopefully you know that it'll it'll lead somewhere good and and that tag division will be interesting and now we have with bailey ember moon Liv morgan i mean they, these are singles competitors but um, Mickey James too. There's there's a little bit more. There there are more pieces to move around for whatever they're going to do with that tag team division. Um, now 100%. we're going to get into now we're going to get into some of the bigger names. I mentioned um, Andrade earlier. He and Selena Vega are on Raw. So is Rey Mysterio. And this feels a little bit like I'm you know that the the feud that they had seemed like it was cut a little bit short. Uh, say, speaking of Andrade and Mysterio, and I wonder if they just decided to push pause on that till WrestleMania was over and now give it the big raw stage and we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see them reignite in a month or two. Um, but I, I'm very excited to see where they go uh, with Andrade. I was very, I was surprised to see him on Raw, although I'm, I, I'm, you know, definitely you should take, you know, all these Raw moves as a vote of confidence. You, what, what are your, what, what do you think about Andrade's future and where, and how much more Mysterio do you think we have left? Andrade, well, for, for Mysterio, I'll, I'll just say this. I think I am so ready for Mysterio versus Ricochet. I think that's your match, even more yeah. than uh, than versus Andrade. Because yeah, Ricochet, wild that, I think, is the... It's Mysterio 2.0, you know? It's, wi- it's wild that, yeah, when, when Mysterio last left the company, I'm sure people were, were begging for that match to be at their local indie show, and now we're going to see that. Uh, we have the potential to see that on the big time. I want to. We got to get to these the, the really big names. Um, the Usos came up. Uh, to I mean to to Raw. It was time to sort of mix up the SmackDown tag division. And the Usos are just, I mean, two of the biggest stars in the company. Two one of the most talented tag teams around. I'm excited to see them. I'm surprised that they weren't in the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. <laughs> well, it was only it was only the, the second trailer so far. So you know there there's still there's still plenty more time for that to happen. The big moves on the Raw side, and we'll split it up by show now is that we have uh, AJ Styles and The Miz are now uh, members of the Raw firmament. They're next to um, uh, Seth Rollins, obviously. Um, Braun Strowman stuck around on Raw. There's rumors that, I mean, I, I would guess pretty substantial ones, that Samoa Joe is going to end up on Raw too, although he was too sick to make his appearance on Monday night, so they're saving that. He has, he has the U.S. title and the IC title flipped over to SmackDown, but... What do you think about AJ and The Miz uh, as potential Raw headliners? Well, it's pretty clear they just flip-flopped Roman Reigns and Finn Balor for AJ Styles and The Miz, um, which I think is a nice shakeup. It gets some new matchups going. I really like it a lot. I like the idea of AJ finally being a talent on Raw. They made reference to him kind of being a staple of SmackDown over the last few years. For The Miz... Um, you know, it's been kind of a part of his character that he changes shows every year. I mean, it's yes. it's kind of become a joke at this point that every year the Miz is going to switch shows, and I think that says a lot about the Miz that he can, you know, wherever he goes, he can kind of inject a little bit of energy into the program, which I think is totally true. I think this year it's different, right? Because he's obviously turned babyface, and you're getting an entirely new character on Raw that's never been there before. 
Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the prospects of who he can have a rivalry with as a babyface. You know, I've, I've said on, on this podcast and on other podcasts before that I think The Miz has had enormous babyface potential for years and years. And, um, you know, we're coming up. I don't think it's this coming WrestleMania, but I think the year after when it's going to be the 10-year anniversary of The Miz's WrestleMania main event against John Cena. And oh wow. man, would it be awesome if he, no pun intended, would it be awesome if he, as a babyface, won the title on the 10 year anniversary of his previous WrestleMania main, main event? I would love that. I'm a huge mark for The Miz. I think he is awesome. I think he is, like John Cena, has been underrated as a talent for years. I think it's becoming a little bit hipper to like him now. Uh, but I, I'm much higher on him on Raw than I am, or excited, than I am for AJ Styles. I'll say that. Wow. Wow, that's really big. Um, listen, I'm, I'm very excited for both of them. I'm excited to see what they can do with The Miz. I mean, I agree with you. He's got all sorts of untapped potential. And, you know, just like it seemed like he was sort of treading water there for a while until Maurice came back and he really reignited his heel persona, you know, I've, I've not been up on, I mean, I've not been high on, as high on the potential for, of, of Miz as a face as you, but I don't have any doubt left for the Miz. Like I think that he can pull it off. It's just a matter of finding the right tenor, you know, finding that right, finding the right speed for him to work, you know, work as a babyface. And and part of it's just not being too much of a babyface, you know, just kind of being himself and 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 uh, you know, being being a serious professional wrestler. On the SmackDown yeah. side, you oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say there was one moment that really uh, stood out to me that that's made me feel this way about the Miz, which was several years ago. Um, I, you know, I, I'd have to Google for this, and it would take me some time. But there was a Money in the Bank match where Miz was injured in the course of the match and was helped out back and was helped backstage uh, because of his injury. Uh, it, it was a, it was a worked injury, I believe. Um, and in the middle of the match, he kind of runs back to the ring and starts scaling the ladder to grab the briefcase. He ends up not, but it was a, this awesome moment when he runs in and the crowd starts cheering for him because he was coming back from this injury. Right. And you could kind of see that there was sort of this visceral love for the Miz at that time, because everybody sort of recognizes that he had to work really, really, really hard as a rookie um, to, you know, find his footing in WWE. And I think a lot of people recognize that. And that was when he was a heel. So I can only imagine what sort of, uh, you know, how he can get over as a babyface. Yeah. I mean, I think AJ Styles, you, you can't underrate what he's going to do. I mean, they're going to put him in there with Seth Rollins, I'm sure. They're going to find a lot of ways for him to work and 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 kind of take the the role that Roman Reigns should have had, right? Which is to sort of be 1B, you know, to sort of to 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 let Seth Rollins um, you know, work as the as the champ but still um but you know, but still pop the crowd, still be out there as a huge star, and and I think you know AJ's value to the company has been so significant, you know, over the past couple of years that um, I'm excited to see him get this, you know, get a little refresh, get a, get another little opportunity. Mentioned Roman Reigns, he was the big surprise on Raw. Finn Balor, you mm-hmm. mentioned, is over there. I mean, on SmackDown, sorry, Finn Balor's over there, and then you know the 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 big, I mean, maybe the biggest moment of the week was Vince McMahon coming out at the end of SmackDown. To, a, to to introduce Elias as the big, you know, get for the SmackDown brand, giving him that that little Vince McMahon rub, but then also giving the rub to Roman Reigns, who subsequently came out, interrupted them, and Superman punched a very old man, which is always, always uncomfortable to watch. You know, there's a little bit of the, I don't quite understand how the Superstar shakeup works in like a kayfabe way that like somehow Vince McMahon was there to introduce Elias, but was surprised by the presence of Roman Reigns. Like you'd think Vince McMahon would be a little bit more up on the <laughs> the roster alignments. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see Roman Reigns, uh, you know, kind of get a refresh on on the Tuesday show. And I'm, you know, seeing if, see if he can, see what that means for Kofi Kingston, see what that means for Roman Reigns' career, see what that means for, I mean, see how, how high up they can push Elias and, and whether Vince McMahon will stay involved. Um, what was your feeling about the ending of, of SmackDown on Tuesday? Well, for Elias, um, I think that he's kind of status quo wherever he is. He's going to come out, he's going to do a segment, he's going to get interrupted, and he's going to have a match. 
And I think that's going to be the case on Raw or SmackDown. So that, to me, was not kind of a big announcement by any means. Um, and, and look, maybe I'm getting worked because he's a heel, right? And I'm supposed to kind of feel that way about him. So that's possible. But I do think that if you're going to switch two guys from Raw to SmackDown, Roman Reigns and Finn Balor are the two best guys to do it with. Um, no two guys are going to benefit more from a change of scenery than them. Um, you know, I, I have said for years that I think Finn Balor is probably the best thing they've got in the company uh, as far as uh, star potential uh, and global appeal. I think he's absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, and Roman Reigns, I think, um, you know, he, he, has, he has been on Raw for, for too long. And I think it's going to be really, really good for him to move to SmackDown. And it's, I think it's going to be really good for Fox also to position the SmackDown show around a big star like Roman Reigns. It'll be interesting to see if... I'm trying to think if there's a bigger star. Is there there a bigger name star other than John Cena and part-timers that they have right now? Maybe the Miz. I guess the Miz has become kind of a household name at this point. Um... But I, I guess Roman Reigns is their biggest star, and it's probably best that, that he's on Fox, that, that he's going to be on Fox. It'll be interesting to see if there's more shakeup, if there's, if there's another you know, shakeup of any degree when the Fox show actually starts. Because you know, it's hard to imagine that Fox is as involved and as invested in the, pro- in the product you know, at this moment in time as they will be when the, you know, when the, when the contract actually begins. So you know, we'll see. I bet they're pretty involved because when I was working at NBC Universal before I worked at WWE, I knew the executives who would be on the phone with WWE all the time. And during they called it the draft in those days, not the superstar shakeup. And there were, were discussions with the network um, about who was going to be on what shows. Uh, and, and the network would ask for certain talent. Um, I remember there was one year when WWE really wanted to pull Christian off of ECW and move him to one of the other shows. And, um, and the network was like, no, we, you, you can't do that because this show will fail without Christian. ECW has no one else. So there are conversations like that. And I bet that Fox is involved already. Yeah, well, that was true about Christian. There's been no more important star to the longevity of any WWE promotion than him on ECW. Um, listen, uh, you asked, you said you, you, wh- whether or not Roman Reigns is, is the, you know, the biggest name recognition star. And, and I think that he is. I think he's right up there. I think he's a lot bigger in the mainstream than probably wrestling fans are even aware of. And to bring this thing full circle, uh, once Hobbs and Shaw comes out, you know, all bets are off. He might be the biggest <laughs> action star in the nation, in the world. Um, we got to get out of here. Brother, we ran I, out of time. I will, I will see you at the Regal on Court Street. You name the time and place. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. We didn't get time to talk about Dark Side of the Ring this week. We're gonna touch on that next week. We'll do it. We'll 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 do this week's episode, the Screw Job, and whatever they do with next week. Um, I, I'm enjoying that show, and we definitely want to keep up to date on that. Um, I think we mentioned just about everybody that got shaken up. If there's anybody we left out, I apologize. Oh, we didn't discuss Chad Gable. I promise we'll discuss Chad Gable next week. Until then, apologies to Chad Gable. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. John Cena rules. John Cena freaking rules. Famous fucking rules. John Cena rules. The Viking experience rules. That was beautiful. <laughs>